They're talking about you. It started with a whisper. Did you see what he's done? Did you see what they've been doing? They're talking about you. They're saying things about you. And you don't know it because you're not there. But they're talking about you at the dinner table. They're talking about you in the streets. As they pass by, they're talking about you and the, and the word about what's going on in your life and what you're doing spreads and spreads and spreads to the point where there's an army standing at your door. This is the scene, actually, that we're going to get into in just two weeks in our Bible classes in Joshua chapter 22. We're going to spend a little bit of our time this morning covering a lesson that I hope you will all forget promptly so that we can cover it again in two weeks in our Bible classes. But in the context, you will know that the children of Israel are going through the land of Canaan, wiping out all of the inhabitants and claiming it as their own, as God has given it to them. And it's a great time of victory. God is doing what he's promised. This is a time where, where God is fulfilling the things that he's told Abraham that he would do for him. And at the end here in chapter 22, when, they, when they're just about ready to settle, all the tribes are, are basically unpacking their bags. They're getting ready to, to make home of the, this new land that they've been given. And we see the tribe of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They don't live on the west side of the River Jordan. They live on the east side of the River Jordan. And this whole time, for the past six or seven years, they have been fighting alongside their comrades in arms on the west side. And now that the battles are over, now that everything is, is, is won, in the beginning of Joshua chapter 22, Joshua commends them. He reminds them of the things that God wants them to remember and basically sends them home across the Jordan to go and to live and to make their home. Gives them spoils, gives them blessings and riches. And as they go and as they find their way, they're just ready to unpack. They're over there on the other side of the Jordan, setting up camp, living their lives, when they turn around and they see an army. Not an army of invading foreign nations, but it's an army of their own people. What on earth is going on? They've been talking. They've been whispering. There's been some things said about these three tribes, the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. There's been some stories circulated in the streets and in their homes about their unfaithfulness. And if you're familiar with this story at all, I want you to sort of recall these things, because we're going to get to studying these things in earnest in about two weeks. But I want you to recall these things, this story, and remember what happened, remember all the surrounding details. These three tribes in my mind, for a very long time when I've studied this in the past, these three tribes, I, I put myself in their shoes. I put myself in their shoes, and if I were them, if I were them, I would say, mind your own business. 
Israelites. Leave me alone. I haven't done anything wrong. I've been fighting alongside you this whole time. You should know that I haven't done anything wrong. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. And for the longest time when I read Joshua 22, I took this stance when thinking about these three tribes on the other side of the Jordan. If I were them, I would put my shields up and I would be mad that they didn't trust me, that they were jumping to conclusions about me, that they were whispering behind my back. I would be mad. And as I read it again, as I read it with fresh eyes again, what I realize is that the children of Israel who are talking about these three tribes, the children of Israel who are setting up, camp, or setting up war, basically, in Shiloh to go and wipe them out, the children of Israel who are sending a delegation of the priest Phineas and ten leaders of the tribes to go and talk to them, they're actually doing the right thing. They're doing the right thing in the right way. They're, they're not perfect. They're not perfect, but, but they're doing what God wants them to do. And I want to explore that just a little bit this morning. Because what, what I naturally would want to say, don't judge me, don't look at me, don't, don't evaluate me, you, you mind your own business. What I actually come away from this story realizing is that, you know what, you should judge me. The three tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh on the other side of the Jordan should have welcomed the judgment. Bring it on, is what they should have said. And in a sense, they kind of did. In a sense, they kind of understood what was going on. And we'll get into that in just a little bit here. They should have been welcoming of the judgment that was coming upon them. And this lesson, really, I want us to see that, that we all, we're all in each other's lives, aren't we? You're all up in my business. And I'm involved in your life. I'm up in your business. We know each other. We discuss things together. We get involved with each other. I'm watching out for you, and you're watching out for me. And the more we have this closeness, this family relationship, the more history we have, the more connection we have together, the more we need to be very good at judging each other. Now you might say, oh, well, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, judge not. Yeah, but in the context, and we'll get into that in this lesson, in the context, Jesus talks a lot about judging there in Matthew chapter 7. The problem is we are very bad at it. Are you bad at judging? You ever jump to conclusions? Do you ever find yourself assuming the worst about somebody? You ever, you ever become a, a critical judge of somebody? You ever, you ever think badly about them when in fact, in reality, you should be thinking good about them or positively about them? You need not look any further than pulling out your cell phone, send a message to somebody and watch the dots as, they, as they're sending back to you, watch them typing and then watch the message never show up? What do you think about? They must be mad at me. There must be something wrong. They must be upset. 
when in reality they might have just had to get in the car and, and couldn't finish the message or whatever it is. Like, we're, we have no idea how to judge people sometimes, and we need to be very good and skillful at judging. Because these three tribes needed to be judged. And I know that because of this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 12 through 15. What we see the children of Israel doing as they're whispering to one another and saying, they're getting involved in idolatry. What we see them doing is exactly what the Lord God said to do in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 12, when God says, if you hear in one of your cities, which the Lord your God is giving you to dwell there, that certain worthless fellows have gone out among you and have drawn away the inhabitants of their city, saying, let us go and serve gods, other gods, which you have not known, then you shall inquire and make search and ask diligently. And behold, if it be true and certain that such an abomination has been done among you, you shall surely put the inhabitants of that city to the sword. And he doesn't stop there. <laughs> I've, I've, I've sort of trimmed it off there. But he goes on and on to talk about what to do with their cattle and what to do with their livestock and what to do with all of their possessions and their spoils. You wipe them out. And what are the children of Israel doing when they see these three tribes build an altar on their side of the river? They see this verse. They see Deuteronomy 13, verse 12. They see them getting involved in things that are very dangerous. They think they're involved in idolatry, and so they begin whispering to each other. They begin talking to each other. In Joshua chapter 12, they begin to have these conversations with each other. Verse 11, and the people of Israel heard it said, Behold, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar at the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region about the Jordan on the side that belongs to the people of Israel. They have built an altar. And by the way, this was a big altar. The English Standard Version in verse 10 says it was an altar of imposing size. Very large. And so what they do, what the children of Israel do after talking to each other, after seeing what's going on, they say, we have to go take care of this. And they gather their armies and they go to Shiloh and they set up and get ready for war. And fortunately, they do what the rest of this verse talks about. And they ask first. They send Phineas who's one of the priests and 10 of the leaders of the tribes, they send them as a delegation to go talk to these three tribes. The big idea in this lesson that I really want us to walk away with is that we are really bad at judging people, okay? Just, can we all just agree, we're really bad at judging people. Now, I might ask you to raise your hand and say, you know, are you a good judge of character? And, and maybe you're better than some other people at judging people's character. But I think in general, we all have a hard time judging people's character correctly and accurately. And so while harsh and critical judgments will tear people down, God has equipped us to be able to evaluate each other in healthy and nurturing ways. God wants us to be in each other's lives. God wants us to watch out for each other. God wants us to have that kind of perspective and as we're going to talk about the, in this lesson, that kind of love, to be able to judge each other accurately. 
truthfully and in a wholesome way that builds up the body rather than tear it down. That's what this lesson really is all about. Because what I see in Joshua chapter 22 is not a story of jumping to conclusions necessarily, not a story about just this misunderstanding, but it's about a people who really want the best. A people who really want to follow the Lord. Israel is following Deuteronomy chapter 13. They are listening to God, and, and they don't want any part in idolatry in their midst. And they're going to deal with it. So we need to become really good at judging each other. And while it might, might be easy to say, don't judge me, I want you to judge me. I want you to judge me. This is not a lesson about me specifically, but I, I, for all of us, I want you to just... I want you to be able to be a good judge. And if you're a good judge, you are totally allowed to judge me if you judge me courageously. Bring on the judgment if you judge me courageously. And that's what we see here in Joshua chapter 22. What they could have done is they could have just whispered to each other. The children of Israel could have just whispered about their sins to each other and never done a single thing about it. It could have turned into gossip. It could have turned into hearsay. It could have turned into just this whole big conversation behind the scenes. But no, they were courageous enough to mount up their forces, to think through their approach, and to go talk to them directly. You're allowed to judge me if you judge me courageously. If you bring your concerns to me first. And that's what we see here in this story. And I love this story. How the children of Israel go to these tribes on the other side of the Jordan. They go to them. They talk to them. And they bring their concerns to them. Of course, this is what Jesus would talk about in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, as he would say, if your brother sins against you, and go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. That's a simple thing for Jesus to say. Easy thing to do. Not at all. You know what's real easy to do? When my brother sins against me to go and tell it to my wife on the way home. When my brother sins against me, it's really easy for me to go and tell the elders instead of going and talking to them. When, the, when my brother sins against me, I could tell so many other people, but the courageous thing to do is to tell them directly. And that's the first thing we need to see here. That's the first lesson that I learned from these, these Israelites there in Joshua chapter 22. They approached the, the, the question, the situation, they approached it courageously, dealing with them head to head. And that's not an easy thing to do. Because there may very well be a confrontation there. You may very well find out some difficult truths but you're never going to come to a resolution, a, a, an accurate and clear resolution to the problem unless you talk to the person directly. You all could leave this building today and you all could have a whole discussion about how dumb you think I am and how ignorant I was for this lesson or how terrible my delivery was, but if you never come and tell that to me, am I ever going to change? Am I ever going to know? Everyone else may know. But if you don't have the guts to man up and come talk to me, then am I ever going to be better? 
And that's, in fact, what Paul talks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 at the end, where there are people who need to be corrected. There are people who need to be confronted. And we need to mark them, of course. We need to note them, and we need to go to them and warn them. I love how in those verses, Paul is not talking about marking them and noting them and just have nothing to do with them after that. Let them fend for themselves. No, he says, go and warn them. Go talk to them. And that's what we need to do. And of course, this is something that we need to talk to each other. We need to have this courage. But then we also, you're allowed, perfectly allowed to judge me if you judge me protectively. If you judge me protectively, bring it on. And that is what we see here in Joshua chapter 22. Joshua 22, in verse 16, Phineas brings this message. He says, thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, what is this breach of faith that you have committed against God and Israel turning away this day from following the Lord by building yourselves an altar? In rebellion against the Lord. Have we not enough of the sin of Peor? from which even we have not cleansed ourselves and for which there came a plague upon the congregation of the Lord that you too must turn away this day from following the Lord? And if you too rebel against the Lord today, then tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. A little, a little lengthy reading, but what Phineas is trying to get these three tribes to see is, look, if you go off in sin, you're going to be impacted by it. And not only you, us, all of us will be impacted by it. He brings up this event that happened with Peor. This is back in the time of, of Moses, where a bunch of the Israelites were getting a little bit too close to the Moabites, and they got involved in, in sexual relations with their women, and they started following after Baal there in that area. And a, a plague came upon them, and 24,000 people died. And by the way, it was Phineas here, this priest, who stopped the play. So you can see Phineas like, we've been through this before. I've been through this before. I don't want to see this happen again. You guys got to stop. Because otherwise God is going to wipe you out. Don't you remember what happened to Achan? In verse 20, he actually brings that up. Don't you remember what happened? You can see in Phineas's words as he talks to these three tribes that he cares so much about protecting them and the whole congregation. And when you go back to Matthew chapter 7, as Jesus starts out that great chapter by saying, judge not, he goes on in verse 15 to talk about beware of false prophets. How do you know if people are false prophets unless you judge them? How do you know if people are true and honest and right unless you are critical in your thinking of them and you're paying, and you're paying attention to them? He says you'll know them by their deeds. Just watch them. Watch what they do. Watch how they talk. Watch how they live their lives. You'll know whether they are a healthy part of your body. You know how your body has has your immune system and how your body is effective at fighting out and, and, and eliminating threats that come into your body? You know how your body is, is constantly on guard to protect itself? Well, we as the body of Christ 
are constantly on guard to protect ourselves. And that is not just our elders' job. It's all of our jobs. It's your job and it's my job to watch out for each other. And that's what Phineas is doing here. That's what the children of Israel are doing here. They see something that they're worried about, that they're concerned about, and they say, listen, this is bad news if this is true. You guys better stop it. And of course, as we just got done reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, isn't this exactly what Paul is dealing with with that sinning brother? Get him out of your midst. A little leaven is going to leaven the whole lump of dough. You are going to get messed up big time if you let this guy stay there. So he urges them to, to remove their fellowship from him. And as we're going to see, actually, in the next week, upcoming here, in chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians, they reaffirm their love to him. They, they welcome him back in. But we need to protect and maintain the health and holiness of the Lord's body. And that's what good judging can enable. All right, so you're totally allowed to judge me if you judge me accurately. That's another thing we learn here from Joshua chapter 22. In Joshua 22, they give the three tribes enough time to answer and explain. You guys got it all wrong. And listen, if we are guilty of, of sinning against the Lord, you can absolutely do what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 13. Wipe us out. But we built that altar for a very specific reason. We're not out there offering sacrifices on it. We want our generations later on from us to know that we're part of the tribes over there. That we're not so disconnected from them, that we're a different group, that we have no connection to them. We want them to know later on that we're the children of Israel. That's why they built that altar. Not to sacrifice on it. And so there was a misunderstanding. And isn't that what we do so often? We misunderstand the circumstance. We jump to conclusions. We don't have an accurate understanding of what is going on. And that is exactly what Jesus had to deal with all throughout his ministry. Don't you know how Jesus was misunderstood the whole time he was preaching, the whole time he was teaching? People just did not get it. And so in John chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus has to tell them, don't judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. You're allowed to judge me if you judge me accurately if you're looking for what is actually true and accurate. Now listen, this is where I give the children of Israel a pass, because they can't read people's hearts and minds. Neither can I. It is okay for us to jump to conclusions. I want to put that out there. I want you all to just walk away with this and say, it is okay. I'm giving you all permission to jump to conclusions if you are looking to hear the truth. If you come to me courageously, and if you have an open ear ready to hear what's actually true. Because to their credit, to the children of Israel's credit, Phineas, when they heard this word, they said, yes, that's the perfect answer. And they believed them without any cynicism or, or holding it over their heads. They said, thank you for the answer. And they walked away and rejoiced. They weren't skeptical. They weren't cynical. They said, thank you, and they moved on. And we should all be willing to just have an opinion, have a, have a thought, think we know something, and get ready to have that blown out of the water when we investigate further. 
You can judge me if you judge me accurately with a heart that's ready to hear my side of the story. And that's what we should be doing. Actually, that's what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 7 there when he says, judge not. Don't judge people. But then he goes on to talk about the log in your own eye and how he wants us to remove the log from our eye because that log in our eye, it's, it's not letting us see clearly. We haven't addressed ourselves, maybe. There's something we need to overcome. There's a misunderstanding we have. We need to see clearly. And we need to search for the truth. What is the truth? And sometimes that can only be done if we've done the very first step here and judge people courageously by talking to them, coming to them, and listening to them. You may never hear the accurate answer as to why if you just ask around and go through the grapevine. So you're allowed to judge me if you judge me accurately. But you can judge me and bring on the judgment if you judge me sacrificially. What on earth are you talking about? How do I judge someone sacrificially? What do you mean, Brian? Joshua chapter 22, verse 19. This is one of, the, one of my favorite things about Phineas's conversation that he has with them. It, basically, he's trying to get them to see the seriousness of the sin and right nestled in to talking about how God is going to wipe them out for idolatry, he says this in verse 19 of Joshua 22. But now, if the land of your possession is unclean, pass over into the Lord's land where the Lord's tabernacle stands and take for yourselves a possession among us. Only do not rebel against the Lord or make us as rebels by building for yourselves an altar other than the altar of the Lord our God. Do you hear what Phineas said? Listen, if you can't live over on the other side of the Jordan, we will give you land. You can come live over here with us because we would rather give you land, we would rather give up our stuff, our comfort, our wealth and riches, we'd rather give that up so that you could come in and be healthy and whole, to be holy before the Lord. We'd rather do that. Wow, how refreshing is that? Because, man, what happens so often in judgment is it's just a complaint. It's lobbing a complaint. It's lobbing a criticism at somebody without any thought about how to solve the problem, uh, without any effort on the commenter's part about how to do anything about it. And what we should be ready to do is help rather than complain. When we judge people, when, we, when, we're, when we're critical of people, when we're trying to address the real sin in their life, we need to be ready to stand up and help. And isn't that what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 5? After he's talking about removing the log from our eye, once we can finally see clearly, then what can we do? Then you can help get the speck out of their eye. Then you can help then you can step in and do work in other people's lives. And that, that's what we're called to. That's what we're about. We're not the kind of people who sit around and complain. We're not the kind of people who poke at people and say, oh, well, did you see how they did that? Or did you see what they said? Or did you, what a terrible lesson. Or man, his mustache, I don't know. Like, they're not those kinds of people who do the, who talk about those things in those ways. I was talking about you, Andy, sorry. 
They're not the kind of people who talk about those things in those ways. They're the kind of people who help. First Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says it very clearly. Be at peace among yourselves. That's what our goal is. And that really is what the children of Israel were trying to do. Be at peace. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. You see the action here in this verse? It's not about just lobbing a criticism at somebody. It's not about complaining behind someone's back or gossiping about somebody. It's so much more than that. It's judging sacrificially. It's saying, how can I step in to be the solution to your problem? How can I step in to, to at least be the catalyst for you to solve your own problem? Not that we all need to come in, and you know, sometimes guys, we like to do this, we, we want to solve everyone's problem, right? Well, I want to fix your problem. Rather than just being a listening ear, a sounding board, that's something we got to work on, I got to work on for sure. But if you can help, and there's something you can do, then please get involved and do it. Because there's nothing worse than somebody who lobs a criticism over at you like a hand grenade over the wall, and then you're left having to deal with it. When they don't want to help you at all, they just wanted to tell you how, how, little, how terrible of a job you were doing. And that's not what Phineas and the rest of the children of Israel do with these three tribes, is it? They say, look, we're, we're, we'll give up whatever it takes so that you can stay holy. Pretty cool. And actually, that leads into our last point. Here's the problem. I could have really just used this one point alone. <laughs> the whole lesson could have been one singular point, and it could have been this. You are totally allowed to judge me if you judge me lovingly. If you love me, if you really love me, if you really look out for my interests, if you really think about how you measure out to me and how it will be measured back to you, if you really think about the golden rule, as Jesus talks about in there in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, how we should do unto others as we want them to do unto us. If you really love me, Love me like you love yourself. Judge me like you'd want me to judge you. And that's the hard thing. Because do we love each other enough to be careful in the way that we judge? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, of course, the great chapter about love. And here we see this language that I think applies to this conversation. Love is patient, kind. Love does not envy or boast is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Can you see how all of these qualities and characteristics weave their way into this conversation? And it gets better. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. Love is what helps us to judge each other accurately. And if you love me like you love yourself, then bring on the judgment. Please bring on the judgment, because I need it. You need somebody to judge you. I need somebody to judge me. Lovingly. Carefully. And of course, the Bible talks a lot about this. The Bible talks a lot, a lot about how mercy triumphs over judgment, how we need to love each other more than we want to tear each other down. 
And so maybe a great way to sum up this point about loving judgment is I want you to judge me charitably rather than critically. It's so easy to be critical. It's so easy to try to tear somebody down. But if you love me, you don't want to tear me down. You want to build me up. And so let's be the kinds of judges who are charitable and loving in our judgment. So often, it just needs to be dealt with privately rather than publicly. Now listen, I will be the first to say that there are plenty of times, like Paul, when he calls out Peter to his face, out in the middle of the public, uh, public area there, for his sins, there are times where we need to address things publicly, but if, there, if there's an issue between you and a brother that you can keep it private, Matthew 18, verse 5, tells us to keep it private. Because that's what I would want somebody to do for me. Keep it private and be gentle. Be gentle with it. You know, you notice how in Joshua chapter 22, you notice how they didn't lead with the armies. They had the army ready as a backup in case they had to do anything, but they led with conversation. They led in a gentle way. And I, I appreciate that about them. I appreciate that about what they did because so often going in there with guns ablazing is really just going to send my shields up. And what I'd love for you to do is come to me gently and judge me that way. We need to be the kind of people who judge each other humbly and realize that we're not perfect. Rather than pridefully, rather than think we have everything figured out, what we're really just trying to do is serve the Lord God. What we're really just trying to do is be holy in his sight and to maintain a healthy congregation. That's what we're trying to do. And it's okay for us to judge each other that way when we're humble about our judgments. So believe the best until you're proven otherwise. Be the kind of people who assume nothing. They definitely made a lot of assumptions about what was going on, but they listened, and they were ready to be corrected. And finally, as we said, seek all sides of the story. Be receptive to listen. Be receptive to have that conversation, because so often we are called to judge each other. You might find yourself in a situation where you're talking about somebody in the church, where you're talking about a a man or a woman in the church, you're having a discussion about them, judge them with love. Judge each other with love. I know I've been talking about judging me, but really this lesson has nothing to do with me, so just so we're all on the same page, this is about how we, how we evaluate each other, how we deal with each other. And you, you can be a good judge. You can be a judge, not with evil motives, not with the motives of trying to tear somebody down, but you can be a judge like the children of Israel were in Joshua chapter 22. You can be the kind of judge who watches out for the Lord's holiness. And what a special opportunity that we all have, but so, so challenging because we're really bad at it. <laughs> We've got a lot of work to do, but I encourage us all. Think about how you can evaluate, how you can judge people in a way that the Lord would be pleased with. So that's the lesson. Thanks for your attention. I appreciate it. If there's anyone here this morning who knows that they need to be saved, who, who knows that they're not yet in a, in a right condition with the Lord, we don't want to leave this opportunity without giving you the chance to come forward and to be baptized so we can help you on that new life with him. If that's your need, please come as we stand and sing.